The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors. And welcome, everybody. Jay Oliver here. You're listening to another edition of Ask the Medical Experts at the Great Peconic Bay Medical Center, of course. And at the helm, uh, an old friend. Uh, always great to have him in play. And his name is Dr. Uh, Augustino Cervone. He is the head of robotic surgery, does some great things with uh, replacement and everything else. And I'll tell you, he does great, some great stuff regarding hernias. Nobody better uh, regarding the uh, surgery as far as what needs to be done in, uh, in all kinds of fashion. And we welcome him back. Dr. Safone, great to have you back. Hey, Jay. Good morning. Every, uh, good to be back. You know, I, I just want to give you a kind of a follow-up. Follow. I asked Dr. Savone about my upcoming hernia surgery. By the way, I was on hold, Doc, because I had tested positive for COVID, of all things. <laughs> Happy to report to you, though, I am COVID negative now and will be going for the surgery this week. So the next time we speak, hopefully I am a new man. But, boy, I'll tell you, talk about events happening because of the crisis out there uh, and, uh, and everything else. And uh, I'll start off with that aspect as far as the Peconic Bay Medical Center. How's it been since getting past the peak of what's happening here with the coronavirus? Well, I think finally things are starting to turn back to uh, how every day was before COVID, uh, meaning that, um, you know, d- during the whole COVID crisis, every patient in the emergency room uh, certainly was maybe a quarter amount of patients than, than typical, but every patient in the emergency room was a COVID patient. Nowadays, everybody there has run-of-the-mill broken arms, bad hypertension or diabetes complications, the regular run-of-the-mill stuff you would see in the emergency room, and the COVID patients coming into the ER for COVID has really uh, just stopped, which is which is nice. Um, so, so that's a good thing. You know, incidentally, uh, uh, you know, it's it's amazing how many people out there are asymptomatic but yet have COVID. And so in the long run, perhaps this is a good thing because maybe we'll all have have it at some sort and at least gain immunity. But uh, you always have to think back to March and April of how bad things were. Uh, and that's what's kind of, uh, you know, taunting us uh, for this time. No question. You know, so much has been made around the country and the state. Elective surgeries. Can they go forward? You know, there's so many people on hold, their lives and everything else. Uh, because of the crisis and everything else. Is that something you guys went through as far as, you know, so, because some of these things are, hap- you know, they're just classified that way as far as uh, elective surgery. What about that aspect as far as uh, shutting it down and then opening it up? What about that? Yeah, so so around March 15th, uh, Peconic Bay uh, shut all elective surgery down. So everybody who was scheduled got shut down and then, uh, you know, postponed until things kind of cleared up. And that was pretty much across the board, I think, in most of the U.S. I mean, even the uh, the American College of Surgeons and the various colleges for different specialties kind of came out with their recommendations, uh, whereas uh, pretty much everything done electively was uh, shut down or was recommended that we not do anything uh, to, to put at risk the patients themselves and the care team members around that patient. So, so yeah, things were shut down until... So probably about the end of May, and then we started doing some of the people that needed to be done, um, uh, and they've held off on. You know, these are the cancer patients that have held off uh, for the 
the previously two months, and uh, the patient's was really bad, uh, severe uh, pain or other instances that uh, prevented them to live their lifestyle. Uh, and that's kind of how things started to open up. And we went through different phases of when we would allow uh, more elective stuff coming in. And it wasn't until July, uh, July 1st, that uh, almost we're, we're pretty much back to an elective schedule currently. Oh, now, listen, I'm going to go through it this coming week. Uh, what are the hospitals in general, especially Bucanic Bay, let's, let's focus there, yeah, as sure. how they're making it safe uh, all during these surgeries, not only for the patient, but for you guys as well. I mean, you guys aren't going to have the, the PPE and everything else uh, going on here in a big way. Uh, what about in general as far as the PBMC and how they're kind of, you know, maybe with an adjustment here and there, making it safe for all? So I would say for the for the patients coming into the emergency room, the emergency room uh, uh, staff is is at the front line, because there we don't know who's coming in if they have have COVID or don't have COVID, uh, and so PPE is a strong strong thing in the uh, emergency department in particular. Every patient that gets admitted to the hospital uh, has a COVID test, so we already then know uh, if the patient has the coronavirus or not, and if they do. They're isolated in a certain wing of the hospital, kept separate from the rest of the uh, the patients in the hospital. So we know every patient in the hospital, whether or not there's COVID or not COVID. Currently, uh, I think this morning, there's four people uh, not there particularly for COVID, but have been COVID positive, uh, sort of the asymptomatic COVID patients. Every patient coming in for elective surgery, three days before their date of surgery, they get tested and then they're told, uh, don't go anywhere and social distance in the next two days because your surgery is coming up. So uh, pretty much we know when patients uh, come back positive, we hold off on their surgery, they're quarantined for a few weeks, and then uh, retested again. So pretty much rest assured, mo I would say most people other than those that we have isolated because of coming through the ER and found to have COVID, uh, most are isolated from the rest of the hospital. So the, the most of the hospital is free of COVID. Uh, and as much as PPE is recommended in those situations, uh, most knowing that the, fact, the staff as well as the patients, whether that they have COVID, you know, we, we have p plenty of PPE, but honestly, we're, we have our, everybody's wearing a mask and everybody's doing their normal hand hygiene and social distancing. Um, and so uh, virtual or virtual reality or uh, remote uh, 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 conferencing is kind of the standard right now. Well, you're right. Two days before it happened to me, July 6th, I had to get swabbed before my July 8th surgery. Lo and behold, for me, though, I got blindsided morning of the 8th at around 7 o'clock, Dr. Savone. I got told I, I was COVID positive. Threw me for a loop. Can't figure it out still uh, how I got it. So I was uh, quarantined within the quarantine and thus a new date in the COVID negative yesterday. Thank goodness. Uh what about trepidation at all as far as patients in general? Are, are they a little bit more frightened now, a little more nervous about just entering a hospital? What's the mindset in that regard? Well, there, there, there are some. I have to say that that's probably the uh, uh, lesser uh, than most patients. Or, yes, yeah, certainly, I mean, you can tell somebody who uh, gets kind of paranoid at the grocery store, they're wearing gloves and, you know, they're kind of protected head to toe. They're coming into the hospital 
uh, very uh, gingerly, even into the office and so forth. But for the most part, most patients are, you know, they understand the precautions that we're taking, uh, that they feel safe in everything that they're going through. Um, so it's, I'm not saying it's back to normal, but uh, it's certainly uh, almost at that point. So that's, uh, that's a very uh, good thing as far as, you know, listen, everybody, everybody is, uh, you know, pretty much prepared. Uh, yes, uh, they're nervous, both ends, you know. I mean, how could you not be? Uh, but uh, it, it, that's good to know. And, uh, and, and I'm sure, like, internally there are a lot of discussions, right, about how to handle it, a lot of meetings going on behind the scenes just as far as the staff is concerned, correct? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, we're using various uh, remote uh mechanisms for meetings, whether it's Zoom or Teams or what have you. Uh, but yes, it's, it, there's a lot of focus about uh, how to, um, you know, how to deal with uh, the whole COVID uh, pandemic. Um, I mean, and honestly, these are, these are kind of uh, safety measures that we do routinely for all infectious disease, whether it's tuberculosis, whether it's C. difficile colitis, et cetera. Um, you know, COVID certainly added uh, a, a huge stress um, and uh, paranoia regarding, uh, you know, the, the contamination, et cetera. So, so there are there are a number of things that occur um, in the, in terms of how do we clean rooms or how do we keep the floors and walls and banisters and doorknobs all clean. Um, and so, uh, yeah, these are these are all meetings that are held uh, from various aspects of the uh, the hospital uh, function. Before the break, then we'll get into the robotics part of things on the other side. We get another wave of this stuff uh, as we speak. We know the numbers are low. That's a great thing. We get another wave here about preparedness and everything else. The one good thing is staff has already gotten a taste uh, as far as the peak levels and everything else. Certainly, they will be in check. God forbid if we get another wave here coming into the fall season, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, I... I Certainly, we we've all been tainted by what's happened uh, to us in the spring, um, and I only hope that uh, if if it is happening, uh, that we get on top of it uh, much sooner than later. Um, I think, as far as uh, what we know in the hospital, it it'll be uh, you know same type of uh, policies and, and routines that we've done when when uh, COVID was at its peak. Uh, whether or not it's as strong as it as it as it was back in then or not, it, we're going to treat it as if it was at first, and certainly that's going to be uh, something where you know people are isolated. We're all in PPE, and every every room door is closed to prevent uh, escape if if possible. The ventilation system, et cetera, how everything is cleaned, the blue the uh, uh, blue light to kind of sterilize the rooms. Uh, Etc. I mean, this is still being done currently, uh, but uh, certainly, you know, I have to say everybody's learned a lesson for from this COVID pandemic and how how everything was treated. All right, more discussion. The great Dr. Augustina Savone, robotics and everything else at the great Beconic Bay Medical Center. Quick break. Come right back. Listening to another edition of Ask the Medical Experts of County Bay Medical Center. And it's uh, star robotic surgeon in Dr. Augustina Savone. Talented individual indeed, helping so many. 
And this is uh, the way it is right now as far as technology. Uh, in time, as far as where we're at medically, you know, I say this to you all the time. It's fascinating, Dr. Simone, regarding uh, robotics and what it was, you know, maybe going back 15 years to where we are at today and, you know, the tools that are being handed out to guys like yourself. I mean, it's just amazing to watch that transformation. Talk about that for a second. Yeah, you, you know, time flies so fast, and uh, you kind of look back at things, and it, it seems like a dream. <laughs> but uh, certainly in reference to uh, minimal invasive surgery that uh, then moved on to robotics, you, you know, you you have to kind of believe that our time that we're here, we're looking at only a time stamp. We're not looking at what's to come, you know, what's going to happen, and we can only predict what's happening and so forth. But you look at the short-term evolution of how things develop to the present time, so laparoscopy in the early 2000s or late or mid mid to late 90s was kind of the robotics at the time. It was the the more innovative way of doing things, and then and then as it, that evolution kind of continued in terms of how do we take care of surgical patients, uh, the instrumentation became sophisticated to the point. Then we started doing robotics, and the advantage of robotics then was. All of a sudden, you're you have this three-dimensional view, and you're it feels as though you've shrunk yourself, honey. I shrunk the kids, and I put myself in somebody's belly, type of thing, because then I can look around and see see a world that I've known from anatomy books from uh, previous operations. But all of a sudden, I'm immersed inside of this, and it's and the view is just incredible, and that translates into uh, much more detailed, precisioned uh, operations. Interesting. I mean, you know, we we say we go back 10, 15 years. I mean, how about we fast forward to 10 years? I mean, could it get any better? I mean, what do you foresee the future uh, in this robotics field down the road? I mean, how much better technology can we have at hand here, you think? So, So you have to believe that when the black and white television came out, that was amazing. That was, you know, people weren't on the radio anymore. They were listening to this, and, and they thought this was the end, and this is, this is how everything's going to be perfect. And, and then looking forward, uh, you kind of see where we are now, and you realize, oh, yeah, well, this is much better and, and so forth. So looking forward for in terms of robotic surgery, uh, you know, there are so many different uh, aspects of it that are in the forefront. Some of it uh, is uh, uh, remote robotics, perhaps. Uh, meaning that uh, currently uh, the surgeon is in the same room as the patient. Everything's hardwired to the, the the robotic arms that are at the patient's side. Every move the surgeon makes at the console or the control panel uh, coordinates directly with what happens in the in the in the instruments. Um, so moving forward, perhaps you can call in uh, uh, somebody who has more expertise and say, "Hey, can you take a look at what I'm doing over here?" and uh, help me out, and uh, so all of a sudden you can kind of let controls over and, and they can point things out, or at least, um, and and so I think the, the patients will have the advantage of having uh, some uh, expertise that maybe uh, is required at certain situations. Um, the other bit of it is, um, you know, perhaps uh, 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 sort of adding virtual reality to uh, some of the what we see in the console as we're looking through the camera. So if you have a CAT scan that was done of a liver showing that there's a lesion in the middle of the liver, when you're looking at the liver from the outside, you may not know where it is. You have to rely on your anatomy, your recollection of the CAT scan, which you might have up on the wall on a monitor. But just think of uh, throwing a virtual reality 
uh, CAT scan of a three-dimensional of the three-dimensional patient's liver in with what you're looking at, all of a sudden you know exactly where you're going, um, and you're directed uh, right there. So I think that that stuff that is already starting to come out, but it's not uh, universal yet. So that's part of the near future evolution that's coming. Incredible. really is. Uh, Dr. Savone with us, Augustino Savone, Robotic Surgery, Peconic Bay Medical uh, Center. Uh, for those listening, they hear about robotics and everything else. Let's, let's just give them a little bit of a dissertation of what we're talking about here. Tool-wise, uh, which would equate to the robotics and for the type of surgeries, you know, the top few surgeries that uh, it would be useful uh, for. So kind of give us a little bit of a re-education Dr. Savone, if you don't mind. So, so minimally invasive surgery is laparoscopy or uh, arthroscopy. It's anything using a camera. Arthroscopy is for the knees and laparoscopy for um, inside of the belly. Um, and so those are small caliper instruments. They go to as small as 3 millimeters, 5 millimeters, 10 millimeters. Um, and with that, instead of making big incisions, uh, you can use these small instruments to do with, with what you would have to do from the surgical standpoint. Now, robotics adds a sophistication because all of a sudden the, it's high-definition, three-dimensional, and the instruments themselves are uh, sort of, we call their, they're wristed, meaning that they can bend at the wrist. So it's almost as if you have your hands in there uh, and reaching around structures and how that translates is uh, a better dissection, less bleeding, less pain afterwards, and so forth. So all of that kind of is what what's happened with uh, the minimally invasive evolution. So I make analogies of, um, you know, say, we'll say a, a tool, a screwdriver. A screwdriver, yeah, I can do it with my hand and screw, screw the screw nice and tight. Um, I can get my... Um, uh, my my corded uh, uh, power drill, my uh, power screwdriver, and screw that screw tight. Uh, so now you get, now I'm, now I've got a cordless uh, screwdriver that actually can angle, so I can really reach around the corners and still do that screwdriver uh, routine and so forth. So it's still a screwdriver, but the sophistication of the instrument makes it uh, a lot easier to manage. There you go. Incredible. It's a great way of defining it, Dr. Savone, uh, with us and everything else. I mean, you know, we've learned so much from the institution itself, the County Bay Medical Center, and they have been thriving. Uh, just a complete uh, reconstruction, not only on the physicality and everything else of the building, but the internal aspects, the technologies you and I have discussed Many a time. Uh, listen, I remember back in the day when they were known as Central Suffolk Hospital. Now, how does the transformation come about in such an incredible way with the time remaining? If you can just give us a little bit of kind of an inside look here of how it all came about and why they just thrive when it comes to other institutions out there in the medical front. Sure. Our newest is the uh, critical care tower, uh, the Corey Critical Care Tower at Peconic Bay, which is a three-story building. Uh, has a helipad up on the top. We have uh, state-of-the-art uh, cardiac catheterizations now occurring, uh, as well as state-of-the-art ICU. is a tele-ICU, meaning that uh, we can have uh, intensivists at remote areas and looking in on patients and help managing patients. Uh, the technology that's in that current building that opened up uh, in the spring uh, is just incredible. It really is. Uh, prior to that, it was uh, the uh, the uh, surgical uh, pavilion where uh, the Canis Center uh, 
uh, surgical pavilion it had state of the art equipment and that's kind of um what prompted us to continue on with uh, the evolution of our surgical uh, instruments including robotics um and you know and prior to that it was uh, central suffolk and uh, where the existing, the first uh, part of the hospital was a small brick building uh, where uh, you see as you closest to the traffic circle, and then there's the newer building of uh, the new surgical pavilion outside of it. And it's just been an incredible journey. And uh, I do have to give credit to uh, Andy Mitchell, our CEO, uh, in his innovation and and foresight and all of this stuff, because um, uh, he kind of initiated it. And then with our partnership with Northwell, it just took off. And um, it's it's just been an amazing journey uh, for what, what you see is the hospital now compared to what it would have been in the past. I tell you, it's amazing. It really is. And uh, they have uh, they have just done an incredible job. And. Uh, you know, I'll tell you, whether it be uh, anything in the laparoscopic field, the incision, single incision stuff that you spoke about, the hernia surgery, which is near and dear to, to me, uh, breast surgery, gallbladder surgery, colon surgery, skin lesions, and cysts, general surgery. Uh, and by the way, for, in, in a quick answer before we're out of here, is there any one particular element I just named that is tougher than any of the others regarding these robotics? Uh, some of the hernia stuff uh, for the complex hernias, you know, people who have had recurrent hernias, uh, hernias that have failed in the past, and uh, you know, now all of a sudden these things are monstrous and uh, really, really a detriment to the patient's health. Uh, yeah, those are the more challenging things, but the robotics uh, makes it uh, easier. I was hoping you wouldn't say that, but I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, it's, it's, it's not so much for inguinal hernias, but for abdominal uh, <laughs> incisional hernias. How's that? There you go. Now you make me feel better. Hey, Dr. Simone, always great to have you, my good friend. Dr. Agostino hey, Simone, he does it all. Chairman of the Medical Board, Director of General Robotic Surgery for the Peconic Bay Medical Center. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to another edition of Ask the Medical Experts. Jay Oliver here. I look forward to seeing all of you next week. Have a great rest of your afternoon. Views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors.